JK Podcast is brought to you by CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Collar and Elbow was founded on the traditional values of professional wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product intended to connect with people on an emotional level. A symbiotic relationship where one cannot flourish without the other. We strive to create a product that embodies our passion for professional wrestling expressed through street fashion. Make sure to use promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout and receive yourself a sweet 10% off your entire order from CollarAndElbowBrand.com. You're listening to the JNK Podcast, episode 72. Why is Hulk Hogan back? Hulk Hogan, that's why. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel here on the JNK Podcast. What's up, guys? Of course, powered by the GorillaPosition.com and the Roar Network. So, Carl, another week has come and gone here, and some very interesting, needless to say, things happening in the professional wrestling business. Yep. And not only did we have the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, which um, we'll get into that. But first of all, and this is going to be our sound clip for this week as well, a huge return back to the world of professional wrestling, Carl. Yeah, we're not we're not going to mention who it is or anything like that right now. We're just going to play this sound clip for you guys and let you kind of guess who you <laughs> think it might be. Uh, it might be, you know, might be a surprise to some, hmm. but we'll let you guys listen and... Uh, you make your own judgments from there. To give you a slight idea, before I hit the old play button, is this will be Shawn Michaels imitating a certain someone. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Of you to join me tonight. Hulk, you'll be squaring off against Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam. Now that's Shawn Michaels. He's a tough guy, isn't he? Let me tell you something, brother. This is a dream match, brother. One that I've always dreamed of, brother. But I got news for you. I'll be 102 years old, brother, by the time I step into the ring at SummerSlam. Every day the Hulkster wakes up that he's not dead, brother. He's living on bonus time. Let me ask you a question, Hulky. Are you a Bad guy or a good guy? Well, on camera, brother, I'm a great guy. But when that camera goes off, brother, it's a different story, brother. Oh, brother, 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 brother. You see, brother, Shawn Michaels is obviously an amazing athlete, brother. But he never quite made it to the upper tier, brother. You see, after I walked out of the WWE, brother, and decided to go make even more money somewhere else, brother, they gave the ball to Shawn Michaels. But he couldn't quite get the job done. You see, he's got more important things on his mind, like becoming the greatest wrestler that has ever stepped into the ring, brother. So there we go. Shawn Michaels with his spot-on, in my opinion, imitation of Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan, that's the big news. Hulk Hogan reinstated back into the WWE Hall of Fame and, to the best of my knowledge, back into just the WWE period. Yeah, really, what this means for Hulk Hogan and the WWE going forward, we really don't know as of yet, but we do know at least that uh, Hall of Fame, he is reinstated back in there, 
and that he was actually backstage at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. He, from what I heard to go along with that too, is he actually uh, went to the locker room and I guess uh, gave like a little speech and was like an apology and uh, I guess almost kind of like a motivational thing before the, the, the pay-per-view actually started. So Awesome. Now, going along with uh, that as well, I think that very well what we could see would be the second time that this is up in the WWE is I think that you're going to see Hulk Hogan inducted into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame a second time. I think so as well. Yeah, Um, very very possible. I don't know if they'll do just Hulk Hogan again, though. I think possibly they may do the NWO and have Hulk Hogan inducted a second time that way. Um, I mean, he's already been inducted into the Hall of Fame. He he doesn't need a second induction to be reinstated, right? He's just, he's reinstated. He's put back into the Hall of Fame now. If they do do something like that, where they do give him his own Hall of Fame ceremony again, like, I I wouldn't agree with it. But if they put him in with NWO, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Now, the reason for all this kind of happening, do you think that there's uh, any kind of ulterior motive here? Uh, You know, especially with, uh, you know, we didn't mention that the last Monday Night Raw, lowest ratings ever of all time, even going back to like the Monday Night War days, I mean, Raw, lowest rating of all time. Is this in a, an attempt to, by Vince specifically, I think, to help boost the ratings by bringing back Hulk Hogan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It has to be. I, I, I can't see it really being anything else. Why all of a sudden? And you've put it out there, and yep. not only was it on WWE.com's website, but we're we're talking like sports websites, we're talking newspapers, um, all these different places that cover sports and sports happening. I even was looking at Google and Google News. <laughs> the first thing there was Hulk Hogan reinstated into WWE Hall of Fame. So, I mean, like, it's out there worldwide now. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's exactly why they did it, was to try to get boosting for the WWE again and uh, hopefully get better ratings on Raw. Or even more simply, maybe you could be reading too much into it, but look, I use a catchphrase of mine to kind of explain this, probably in simplest terms. Why is Hulk Hogan back? Hulk Hogan, that's why. That's right. <laughs> that's why he's back, because he's Hulk Hogan. Now, getting to the main event to hear what's going on, because, I mean, obviously that's big news too, but Extreme Rules happened this past Sunday. And just before we break it all down, because uh, we're going to go through you know the majority of the matches here, a real, again, kind of mixed bag of good and bad overall. Yeah, yeah there was. Right? So we'll kind of go through this. And I think uh, one of the more disappointing kind of things for me was the the match that was relegated to the pre-show match, and that was Sanity versus New Day in a tables match, which should have been, you know, at worst, maybe at the mid uh, kind of card level. But they decided to, to open with this uh, before the paper even started. And one of the better matches of the evening, actually, if you had a chance to actually watch it. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I can almost guarantee that, yeah, it would have been like a show stealer had it been on the main pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um New Day, like, they're being relegated down and down and down further and further. I mean, what's what's next? Are we going to see them in developmental again? Mm. Like, they just keep getting pushed down further and further. And now they're on pre-show, and then at WrestleMania, they were doing, like, host. And, and like, come on. All three of these guys can work. Yep. Let's put them somewhere. 
especially when you combine and you got to see some of it in the match, uh, you know, with uh, Kofi and Eric Young and, you know, and Xavier and Eric Young, you have two great workers in the ring, great characters. And yeah, relegated to that pre-show. That's sad. Very disappointing. But Sandy getting the, uh, the up on that matchup, like I said, um, Eric Young putting Kofi Kingston through that table to wrap up that match in a really kind of a wild spot there. So nice. You know, we'll, we'll see what uh, kind of happens with them going forward. I, I want to definitely see, you know, yeah, new, new days kind of had their time, but Sandy, especially they, they need to start doing more with them. Make good use. You have Eric Young. You need to make good use of him. Definitely. I mean, so, not, not just Eric Young. Oh, like, I mean, okay. everyone on the team, like just stand out. Each yeah. one of them could go off and do singles and become champions if they so, wanted to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, having the three of them together really makes everything just a powerhouse of a tag team or yeah. faction right now. And they really need to capitalize on this because this is what's going to draw people back to watching. And you have another great big guy in Killian Dane. Like, oh. get him up against Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman. I mean, I mean, just you would have some hard hitting matches going on there, and uh, you know, just great character work too. And uh, the guy is agile for a big man. So, yeah. you know, him even up against Big E, like in a singles match. I mean, it, there's just so many good matchups for all three of those guys are great workers. So hopefully, WWE makes good use of them and not do just the classic thing that they tend to do with these stables. So I hope not. And um, after that, we had. An interesting match. We had the Deleter of Worlds, that is uh, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, against the B-Team with Mr. Perfect's Kid, Curtis Axel, and Bo Dallas. Yes. And... Bray Wyatt's brother. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting when you watch uh, these guys work together is that they... They don't completely avoid it, but you know, having Bray and Bo kind of working against each other, they I won't say that they avoid it, but it, it's almost like they're... You know, staying away from it for maybe some possible kind of build up or, you know, maybe match up further down the road or whether it is to include him in the, into that fold or, or what the deal is. But yeah, there's like a weird tension there. There kind of was. Um, I think you're looking a little too far into it, though. Um, I, I really don't that think that be. there was any type of reasoning for it it was just probably the two of them said you know we grew up with this we did this all of our life together we don't want it we want to be able to wrestle other people Mm -hmm. right i think that's probably more the answer um but yeah i mean it was a decent match it had a crap ending to it but it was a decent match yeah but it was it was good to see the the unexpected um Team to win it. Yeah. Team, oh, yeah. Like, like I, I totally didn't see that coming, and they obviously want to give them a little bit of a push. And, um, yeah, they are set to defend. Actually, there's a rematch the following Monday Night Raw. It's going to be next week's Monday Night Raw. Yes. So, so we'll see what happens with that. Now, next up, we had the whole deal with Brock Lesnar kind of happening. Yeah, Kurt Angle comes out and does a uh, little interview segment mm-hmm. and uh, essentially say, says, I'm giving Brock Lesnar an ultimatum. He either comes and signs a contract for a match or I'm stripping him of the title. Yep. So, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, finally, finally, like it's finally happened. Somebody is taking a stand and saying something and doing something and going, okay, now this is, we have to do this because it's been way too long that the quote unquote main title on raw hasn't been defended. hasn't been seen. The champion's not there. Kurt Angle even went as far as saying, 
he'll go to UFC and, and get in the face of their champ, but he's too afraid to come here. What's up? In the Monday night, uh, we didn't get to mention this, but uh, the previous Monday Night Raw, they didn't even mention his name. No. Brock Lesnar, or anything to do with it, just not mentioned at all. Yeah. You had the opportunity, and this was right after the UFC thing happened, you had a chance to capitalize on that kind of moment, and it just, they let it go away. Not only a big spot in professional wrestling, potentially, but you had a huge moment happen just in sports in general, and WWE was like, they didn't know it happened. I know. And and she was not to capitalize on it. It was so bizarre that not a word said about it. And that would have been the time to do it. It it, it would have been. I I think it's weird. Did we not talk about that on on the podcast about, you know, about the the whole Brock Lesnar and the UFC thing Mm -hmm. that happened and how, you know, both sides could really capitalize from this and, you know, maybe winning both the titles and having both of them and whatever, whatever, right? And WWE capitalized on absolutely none of it. Ridiculous. It's it's. I don't know who to blame for that one. I don't either. Anyways, so we'll see. It's uh, confirmed that he's going to be at SummerSlam. Details beyond that, we don't really know yet. I would say, you know, chance, if I had to call it, it's going to be him against, I'm hoping, Bobby Lashley and not Roman Reigns when it comes to that. Yeah, me as well. Getting a little ahead of ourselves. But uh, next up we had... Eh, kind of a, you know, whatever kind of match, unfortunately, for these two. Uh, Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin, or Constable Baron Corbin. Sorry. Yes. The Constable. No, the Stephanie McMahon-appointed uh, yeah. Constable Baron Corbin. Did you feel anything in this match at all? Actually, I did. Yeah. I, I really thought that it was a good back and forth between the two of them. We'd see uh, yeah. Balor getting the upper hand, and then we'd see Corbin getting the upper hand, and it was really back and forth between the two of them, which made it nice to watch mm-hmm. um the ending though a simple roll up and he won like there really wasn't like finishers and stuff like this no big finish for it nothing it was just a simple oh yeah come behind him roll him up and win does wwe know how to finish a match anymore with some of the stuff i it's, i don't know it's like they've forgotten yeah i think so it's like they've forgotten yeah it, it, this match is a perfect example of that it's like they they go and they go and they go um whatever just yeah roll them up <laughs> the last minute call audible at the end who knows i don't know it's just weird sometimes what they do with the stuff and uh finn balor getting the win over him and it just it was one of those ones where with not a whole lot on the line just there wasn't a whole lot to be invested in this match. no there really wasn't but right, it was so. a good match to watch yes yep russell williams perfectly fine yeah next up eh, this is kind of a, a strange one this is oscar versus carmilla for the smackdown women's championship with james ellsworth in a shark cage yeah now, now the shark cage was suspended mm-hmm. in the air over top of the ring now what's the deal with the shark cages all of a sudden with uh, the last time it was with chris jericho and what's the reason for resurrecting this old idea i don't know i i I think it's just because it's something that can be used. It, it can yeah. be used for a spot somewhere. Um, I think that's really about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah, it it, it is. Yeah. It kind of is. It it doesn't. It feel it feels like an like an old resurrected kind of idea, but with just not a whole lot of meat to it. You're right. You know? I mean, build up to this, I, I, I kind of get, I kind of understand, yeah. right? Like Ellsworth coming back and, and costing Oscar, you know, the, the, the opportunity at the title or the mm-hmm. winning the title again. And then, uh, 
you know, the two of them having their intergender matches and, and right stuff like that. So now it's kind of like, well, we know Ellsworth is going to be there. We have to do something with him to keep him out of the ring. Yeah. And I'm in a shark cage. Yeah. (laughs) It's a weird thing watching the two of these work. I mean, Oscar and Carmella, because you have, you know, throughout the match, like lots of unintelligible screaming coming from both of them. Some really odd, uh, selling coming from Carmella's end. Uh, you tell us she, that's something that she's still working on is, is not good at. And just, it's weird to, to watch these two wrestle. It, it's, they're just not well matched to each other whatsoever. Yeah. They both have very conflicting styles yeah. of wrestling and it's not that that's a bad thing, but it, it, it is a bad thing. In I mean, if you've got somebody like Oscar who is that rough and tough kind of, you know, person and doing that. And then you've got Carmela who, the princess of Staten Island, as her nickname is, right? Yep. She's going to be a little bit more reserved in her in her match style. She's going to be a little bit more dainty, let's say, when it comes to um, her style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So to have these two conflicting styles where you've got Asuka, who's like fast, and then you've got Carmella, who takes things a little slower, trying to meet in the middle there, you could really tell that there was a struggle happening. There really was. And James Ellsworth up in that uh, shark cage had the key for the lock on him the whole time, which is, yeah, I know you got to suspend disbelief in the world of professional wrestling, but why would, it's just weird. It, they should have had him like maybe break the lock open or something, but well, why would you put a guy up in the shark cage when he has the key in his pocket? Well, but they didn't know he had anything on him <laughs> you know, because just... first we had uh, um, Ellsworth throw down a chain. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then we had Ellsworth throw down um, a spray, uh, like a, like an aerosol can spray bottle. Yeah, um, like right? pepper spray or something, yeah. And then when all of that failed, well, yeah. it's like, oh, crap, I need <laughs> to help out my Carmella. Okay, now I need to use the key to get out of here, yeah. right? So, I mean, I, you kind of have to make believe a little bit with that, <laughs> yeah. but obviously the shark cage had no effect at all and was there just for n- no reason. Well, he ended up getting caught up in it. So maybe because he ended up kind of dangling upside down from it. So that may have been the primary use that uh, that was used for because that's what happened. And then Oscar just went to town on him and just uh, kicked the living daylights out of him. Oh, yeah, like huge. <laughs> and, you know, that kind of escalates out of control. Carmela does... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was just a, basically like a roll-up pin or something very similar to that, and she steals a victory. I thought she... I don't think she really nailed her finisher, did she? she no, she didn't hit the finisher, but what yeah. she did was she she came... Oscar was standing there, uh, kind of a little bit away from the corner. Carmella mm. came up behind yeah, yeah, yeah. her, and then Carmella pushed her, pushed Oscar right. into the cage. Oscar right. went face-first into the cage fell back down, Carmella pinned because she was essentially uh, quote unquote knocked out, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. And then after the match, Carmella <laughs> takes her belt, yeah. goes up the ramp, leaves James Ellsworth yeah. in the ring, and Oscar then proceeds to kick the crap out of James Ellsworth again. Yeah. yeah. There, there was just there was so much to kind of keep track of, of what happened last uh, with that pay that uh, I forgot that moment happened. Uh, and it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those ones where it, there, there were some okay spots in there, but it was, again, you know, 
not a whole lot invested in these two. And in my opinion, WWE dropping the ball. Not to say that I'm necessarily a fan of Asuka, but what they were kind of going for, it's, you know, they, I don't know if they've given up on her or what the deal is with that, but uh, maybe to build some sympathy and, you know, build her up for a later point, but it, I don't maybe. know. It, it feels odd with what yeah. they're doing there. Then we had a, another very weird, kind of strange thing happen. Now we're talking about the United States championship match versus or sorry with jeff hardy versus shinsuke nakamura yep and going into this i'm i'm expecting you know you know you have an extreme yeah extreme rules you have jeff hardy what part of team extreme with, yep. with matt hardy and you have shinsuke you know one of the arguably one of the better wrestlers around and before the match starts I'll just we'll just run we'll just let you know kind of what the entire match of what happens before the match even starts shinsuke low blow Yep. Goes back over to the corner. Jeff Hardy's in pain. Says, ring the bell. Shinsuke runs across the ring. Hits the Kinshasa. Match over. That was it. And then Randy Orton comes out of nowhere and stares down Shinsuke Nakamura for a good couple of minutes, maybe uh, maybe slightly less, and then attacks Jeff Hardy. Yeah. And then walks away. <laughs> Bizarre. I, Bizarre. Uh, as I was making my notes while watching the pay-per-view, <laughs> I... Like it was over in like four minutes. Not like, even, yeah. like it was just like done. So I'm like, okay. And I have written down Hardy versus Nakamura, <laughs> and beside it, I have what with a question mark because yeah. it was just so so confusing mm-hmm. that this would even happen. And as you said, we have the innovator of team extreme mm-hmm. versus the and i know they don't like using this term anymore but the king of strong style the two of them should have been able to go a good 20 30 minutes oh. with an amazing extreme not even necessarily any weapons or hardcore or anything like that but just the two of them mm-hmm. have so much energy that they could have made an amazing 20 minute match feel like it was the best thing in the world we didn't get that. And we didn't get that. <laughs> and why would you have Randy Orton come out and you have the stare down between sh- him and Shinsuke Nakamura and then have him go after Jeff Hardy? Like you could tell like Shinsuke, like ma- they're making eye contact with each other. Like Shinsuke's like, what the, you know what? And looking at him and then he attacks the other guy. I can, I can kind <laughs> of understand that because uh, right now Shinsuke Nakamura, he's, he seems to be okay. He's doing just fine. He's up on top of the announce table. He's got the belt in hand. Yeah. They're staring each other down. And now Randy Orton has always been a ring psychologist. Absolutely. Right? So mm-hmm. am I going to go after the guy that's, that's doing just fine? Or am I going to show him what I can do with this guy that I have inside the ring right now? Mm-hmm. So do whatever you have to do to Jeff Hardy, grab him, you know, grab his legs, hold his legs up and give him a stomp to the midsection just for good show. And then be like, that's what I can do. So yeah. you better watch out. Yeah. If you're going to do that, I think, I think I would have done a little bit more. Like I would have at least... Uh, done like a signature move. Didn't have to be the uh, the RKO, but I would have, you know, done his his rope kind of DDT move. I would yeah. done something with a little bit more impact and more of a statement. Okay, uh, this is what I can do, and I'm coming for you. Either that or the punt. Yeah, uh, like, that would have been good too. The, the punt would have been perfect been because Jeff Hardy was behind Randy Orton as Randy Orton is standing there looking at Shinsuke Nakamura, 
the ref that just has to give Randy Orton that little look or a little nod to say that Jeff Hardy's getting into position. Randy Orton turns around, boom, done. Punt to the head, turns back, looks at Shinsuke Nakamura, and doesn't have to point, doesn't have to nothing, just looks, turns around, and walks out. That would have made a hell of a bigger statement than just what happened. Especially with such the short little kind of squash thing. You need to follow up with a big thing like that uh, yeah. to, to, to make it a bigger moment. And yeah, so a bit of a, a drop ball there, in my personal opinion. WWE, <laughs> if you are listening, we can be your writers. Please get mm-hmm. a hold of us. <laughs> <laughs> but before that happens, before we get to probably one of the most extreme moments of uh, ah. the pay-per-view, we're going to take a little bit of a break here and listen to those who strongly endorse the JNK podcast. This is CWE champion Hotshot Danny Duggan, and you're listening to my preferred podcast, the JNK podcast. Make sure to check us out live on our next tour as CWE presents WWE legend Brutus the Barber Beefcake October 22nd to November 21st on the Strutman Cutting Tour. This is Ryan Bowman, editor-in-chief of TheGorillaPosition.com, and you're listening to the J&K Podcast. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel here back. Now, thanks to the shout-out uh, from Danny Duggan, owner and operator, and current CWE champion, yes. and, of course, editor-in-chief of thegrillposition.com and one half of going the Going Home podcast, Mr. Ryan Bowman, editor-in-chief of thegrillposition.com. That's right. Without you guys and the little shout-outs that you give to us and the support that you guys offer us, uh, I, I don't think that we would uh, really be around. So a huge thank you to just not only those famous people that mm-hmm. give us uh you know a good sponsorship and shout out but to all of you listeners as well thank you so much absolutely and you know last last episode we had a listener question and uh you know send us some more of those because we like uh, like getting those and then kind of answering your questions and uh and and looking at that kind of stuff to see oh, what yeah. uh, fans are interested in and things that they want to know about uh, like that kind of stuff definitely now Getting to, as I mentioned, the most extreme, in my opinion, moment of the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, we had Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens in a steel cage match. I'm just taking a look at your notes here, and um, <laughs> we we have the straw man versus Owens in a cage match. <laughs> straw man. And it's, and it's kind of funny that... Um, <laughs> That you made that little bit of a, of, of a mistake, right? Because on my paper, while I was writing, watching last night, I wrote Owens versus Steen. Steen? <laughs> right? Whoops. And it's like, wait, 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 no. It's Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman, but I put Kevin Owens versus his old self. <laughs> I could watch Kevin Owens wrestle himself. That would probably be pretty good. I think it would be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, some pretty... Uh, I thought they, they did well booking this match and uh, and what unfolded and it didn't go on for... It didn't overstay its welcome either. No. And, you know, might as well just mention the big spot at the end of the match. I mean, uh, the uh, other stuff that kind of happened before that kind of 
some typical steel cage mask stuff. Uh, Kevin Owens, of course, you know, being in that position, trying to escape early. Saw a lot of that. But uh, to cap it all off, uh, a moment that, that I'm still going to go back and look at again to, to kind of uh, <laughs> break it down even further, just for my uh, personal satisfaction, because, I mean, very Mick Foley-esque spot off the top of that cage. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, essentially, uh, Braun Strowman chokeslammed um, Kevin Owens off of the top of the cage down onto the announce table. <sighs> and, I mean, it... it, it it looked okay um, from somebody who has been in the business for quite a while. Uh, somebody who has been in the ring. Um, it looked very safe, mm-hmm. but the impact that was oh. there made it look <sighs> like it was just devastating. I know that the two of them really worked on it. I, you could really tell, especially when Strowman was putting him over the 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 cage to have him drop you could really tell that they were taking it easy and going you know nice and smooth with it Mm -hmm. um but i mean it's not always about what you see at the beginning it's about how the outcome happens and the outcome of that was just devastation yeah and we'll see uh kevin not at monday night raw uh, just happened uh, previously so i don't know if they're gonna maybe play up some kind of work injury or 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 whatnot but um We'll we'll see because it uh, that looked like it hurt like hell and that uh, whatever broke his fall underneath there it didn't look like it it quite stayed intact. Yes, either like it wasn't like the you know Undertaker versus uh, Mankind you know off the the hell in a cell down to just just a table with nothing. Yeah, I mean it wasn't as devastating as that, but that's the closest thing you know recently that that could come anywhere near that. And and, and just watching that back, it's just like <laughs> I hope he's okay. <laughs> Now, you know, before we move on to the next one, I have I have two things with this match that I want to talk about with you. Yeah. Um, and they're going to come out of nowhere because we haven't discussed this prior. Yeah. Um, first off, I just want to say that I really enjoyed the handcuff spot. Mm-hmm. That was um, well done. Yeah, it was very well done to see Braun Strowman kind of, you know, trying to get it and trying to work with it and then holy crap, you just pissed this guy off and he just rips his arm away Perfect. from and Perfect. broke it. It was amazing. Yep. Now, I have a little bit of an issue with these cage matches that are happening lately. Okay. Originally, back in my time, and it makes me sound really old, but back in my this. time, it was escape the cage to win. Yep. Why is there pin or submission allowed in a steel cage match now? Yeah. It's really irking me that it shouldn't be. You want a steel cage match? You need to climb over the cage and drop to the floor and have both your feet touch, or you need to escape out of that door. That was the whole reason and design for a steel cage match. Why are we babying things now and allowing pins and submissions? For me, it's almost kind of along the same lines when you have like a, a, a big time kind of no DQ match and having to, the pinfall to have to happen inside the ring. You know, it's one of those things where if you're going to go all out with like a no DQ match, make it false count anywhere at that point. Because you may as well, if you're, you're going to spend the majority of your time outside of the ring, make the, the pinfalls count out there. Kind of along yeah. the same lines as, as that idea, but I agree 100%. You know, even the, the being able to escape the, uh, the cage through the door, the, the real kind of old school fan of me was just, you know, 
climbing over the top. That was how you win. Even yeah. if it happened unintentionally, and if yeah. you land that floor, you win. That's right. This opening, the ref opening the door and crawling through business, I'm not a fan of that. Bit. I really, I, I don't mind it because the, the whole design of it was to escape the cage. Yeah. So if there's a door, you That's can escape true. the cage. Yeah. Or if you're right? Braun Strowman, you just put somebody through it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. But, I mean, uh, yeah. or Big Show. Big Show too. Right. Throwing... Uh, yeah. You know, somebody right out. He's, he's been on the oh. receiving end of so many of those. Talk about that. This guy has taken so many hard bumps for the WWE universe. That guy's taken his fair share. Yeah. But let us know what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, you guys, at the end of the show, we'll plug our uh, social media with you guys again, if you don't know already. Mm-hmm. And let us know what you think about the whole pinfall and submission being done inside of a steel cage match. Mm-hmm. Now, next up, we had, you know, in my opinion, one of the more forgettable matches of the night, you know, and it's a shame because arguably all these guys are good talents. I mean, uh, I'm talking about the, the Bludgeon Brothers and uh, Kane and Daniel Bryant, all four of these guys, phenomenal talents yep. in a match that I just I cared nothing about, you know. Literally, I wrote, meh, meh. You know, it, it, your your typical thing of the two guys getting attacked backstage, and then it was a handicap match with Daniel versus the Bludgeon Brothers, and Kane comes out with the foot cast, and you know, uh, typical it, it, stuff it, that we've seen. It's it rehash. Did nothing for me. It yeah, did ab- absolutely nothing for me. The Bludgeon Brothers retained the, the the tag team titles, and yeah, I mean, if, if I would have missed this match because of a bathroom break, I. It would have been, you know, and okay. it's horrible. I'm saying that, but a Daniel Bryan match because uh, Daniel Bryan, I, I love Daniel Bryan. Yeah, he's amazing. But just he's getting put into these scenarios, and you know, going along with this, supposedly, supposedly his contract has been extended. Okay, so we're gonna possibly see more and more of this. Let's just rehash every old Daniel Bryan idea. Let's just keep bringing them on while we still have them. Let's just keep using what we can. Since we're on the topic <laughs> of rehashing things. Um, Going along the lines with the Bludgeon Brothers and Team Hell No, yeah. um, this is this is my other irk that that happened, and I was hoping that we would have talked about this earlier because I didn't want to have two different irks like in a row. But neither here nor there. Okay, yeah. so earlier in the night after the uh, Finn Balor Baron Corbin match, they went to the backstage and we saw the Bludgeon Brothers yeah. beating down Team Hell No. Um, they used a mallet on Kane's leg mm. to kind of, that's, you know, kind of brings in why Kane came out with a cast on his leg and yep. stuff like this. My biggest irk is why does a GM and a ref or referees always seem to get there just after the devastation <laughs> happens? Just after it. Why is nobody ever there while it's happening, trying to break them apart? It's always, you know... Like the realism to that is gone for me. Like two seconds later, after the other the other guys leave, they just beat these guys down. Oh, all of a sudden! Oh, look at what happened here. Get the medics. Come on, WWE, make a little bit more realism to this. This is not the tag team you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Right, it's like, like a Jedi mind trick, man. It really, really oh. feels that way sometimes. It's like Vince is like trying to. It's like you can almost see him like waving in front of us, going, "No, you didn't see that happen," or. You, it's like, it's ridiculous. I know, it really, I know. Really is. And it was just yeah. Uh, that, that's something else that just yeah 
and we see it all the time. All the and time. it's not like it's just, you know, subjected just to this one pay-per-view that happened. This is all the time that a backstage beatdown happens. This is exactly how it goes. And I'm getting, <laughs> it's getting very mundane and I'm getting tired of it. Hey, you know, it's uh, one of the reasons why um, their weekly show ratings are so piss poor right now is, is it might be larger because of some of this kind of stuff. When you, when, so. you, when you're going up against, you know, New Japan and ROH that doesn't do a whole lot of this stuff. I mean, people just right now seem to want to just watch wrestling, you know, without all this kind of BS. Yeah. Really, so. But speaking of BS, we have Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley. Oh. <laughs> and what, what the reason why I kind of worded it that way is the build-up to this match essentially is Roman making fun of Bobby Lashley's MMA career and saying, well, you quit 10 years ago and whenever did this MMA thing, and how did that work out to you? Not so well. Well, if you actually go and look for this to yourself, he, Bobby Lashley, is actually 15 and 2. That's 15 wins and 2 losses in MMA. So yeah. he actually did pretty damn good. He did. So <laughs> that ruins all that. It does. That discredits that. Yeah, 100% it discredited all of that and just made, you know, again, Roman Reigns look like a fool. It, the, the crowd... It was interesting watching the crowd with this because they seemed to like some of the Lashley kind of stuff. Yep. Even though he looked a little kind of disjointed, you know, kind of working with Roman. But then whenever Roman had any kind of moment, it was just like the crowd just not digging it, not digging it whatsoever. Just like I said, the typical kind of stuff. And you know? I, honestly, I think the reason for that is because it was a Roman Reigns match. Yeah. And it's just become old hat now oh. for the crowd to boo or do whatever when it comes to anything that Roman Reigns does. Um, I mean, it was a good match. It, I, I, I honestly enjoyed watching that mm-hmm. match. And I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Roman Reigns fan. I'm not a huge Lashley fan either. Yeah. But the two of them really worked well together. And it was a well thought out a well-worked match like it just like that's the only thing i wrote down for roman versus lashley i just yeah. wrote good match because i thought it was and it's interesting that, that you're, you're kind of worded that way too because on the previously when we kind of tackled this issue you were talking about uh, him and jinder mahal in that match and you again said it was a really uh, well-worked match and you enjoyed it mm-hmm. are there i'm trying to 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 kind of figure this out, are too many fans just getting on this Roman Reigns hate bandwagon without actually, you know, objectively looking at what he's doing? Yes. That simple answer, yes. That's exactly what's happening. I think that's what's happening. You've got all of these people that are going to these shows and they want to fit in and they want to be part of the it crowd, right? I mean, there has to be an it crowd. The Miz isn't around right now, so there's got to be an it crowd Mm -hmm. and they want to be part of that and what better way than to just conform go with the flow and yeah i'm a roman reigns hater now too and just boo roman reigns and make fun of roman reigns and you know all of this and not pay attention to the match and the actual work that's being done because they're too busy trying to fit in and hate on roman reigns yep it really does feel that way yeah you know i'll say to the wwe especially just those Hardcore WWE fans, by that I don't mean hardcore matches. I mean just the people who just watch WWE. That seems to be where a lot of this kind of hate is coming from. Give the guy a chance. He can work in the ring. His character work is is getting better. You know, just give give the guy cut the guy some slack, please. I will agree. His mic skills are still not up to one hundred percent par, but he is at least out there trying and attempting. He doesn't deserve the majority of the hate that he gets. He really doesn't. No, I I I, I don't think he does either. Um, 
is it fun? Sure. Might be fun for a little bit to kind of do this, but you're hurting his career essentially mm-hmm. by, by doing this because now Roman Reigns uh, honestly is just seen as a joke. He's just seen as a, Oh yep. They keep, they keep putting him right here, right here, right here. And then he's pulled back and then he's brought right here again and then pulled back and then right here and then pulled back. And it just seems like it's a continuous now. Yeah. Because the fans are always going, yay, Roman Reigns. And then, uh, no, we don't care about Roman Reigns anymore. So, yeah. He's in a weird weird place in that company. He is. And uh, I don't know if it uh, involves him going somewhere else. You know, I've mentioned it. uh, You know, I think maybe him him and Tom Tonga together could be something, you know. Who knows, you know, the future for him. But uh, in WWE, it's so weird and uncertain with him. Yeah. It's just the only way you can put it. (laughs) But Bobby Lashley getting the win over him. And uh, I thought that was it, it was kind of good and kind of bad at the same time. But um, you know, we'll see if it uh, results in somebody new going up against Brock Lesnar. I'm all for it. Yep, me so. too. Then we had Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax in Extreme Rules match ish for the uh, Raw Women's Title. Yep. And I have really mixed feelings about this uh, match because I, I just I felt uh, I'll just say it uh, way too much outside interference. Way way too much. I have to agree. There really was. Um, I have an issue with this match, and we'll talk about that. But uh, we'll talk about that in, in, in a little bit. But yeah. I mean, match-wise, I I, I I didn't hate it. I I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Like th- there were parts of it that that I were not finding comical, but finding like wow, like this is really really something here. Like yep. especially Mickey James grabbing the stuff from underneath the rope, grabbing a uh, trash can, giving it to Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss going to try to hit Nia Jax with it. Nia Jax catching it. And then like, okay, so, oh, you tried to hit me, whatever, and tosses it into the ring. Yeah. And with chairs and with kendo stick and with, you know, trash can lids and all these different things that, you know, it, it, was, it was cool to see that because it's like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, here's something else. Try this. And then it's ineffective, right? And then here, try this. Yeah. And it's ineffective. Well, you have to do that when you have somebody the size of Nijax going up against somebody who's the size of Alexa Bliss. You yeah. have to do that kind of stuff. Otherwise, disbelief is thrown right out the window. Well, ex- exactly. <laughs> itself, yeah. And I think that's why I really enjoyed it because yeah. it, it, it was believable that Alexa Bliss yeah. is swinging this, this trash can over top of her head to hit Nijax, and Nijax just catches it. Now, for those of you who who might be listening that aren't aware of, of who the, these two people are, um, you really have to... like. Nia Jax, okay, let's say she's six feet, um, 260 pounds, 280 pounds, let's say. She's she's a very large and in-charge woman. Um, Alexa Bliss is like five foot nothing and 120 pounds at the most soaking wet. Huge difference. Right? Like it's, difference. It, it is enormous, the difference between the two of them. So I think with this match, at least, reality was there. Mm-hmm. And I was happy with that. Yep. And then, you know, the, all the kind of shenanigans, you know, this deal with Rhonda buying the ticket and being at ringside, you, you knew she, she was going to interfere. And it just, it, uh, it was a little weird. You know, I would have preferred that, um, you know, that it could have been somehow just the two of them. But I know an Extreme Rules match, kind of anything goes. So, you know, Alexa Bliss getting the win over that. And they're clearly building towards her and Rhonda. So oh, yeah. whether it's going to be, uh, it's going to be SummerSlam. So, you know, it's an inter- it's an interesting matchup with those two coming up to that point. So, 
And I think, um, you know, to help Ronda more in the ring, I think she's going up against somebody like it. it it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It will be. Now, the actual match itself. I, fa- I there, there was a really big missed spot that I want to talk about. And I don't know if anyone else, if, if anyone else did kind of catch this or, or think about this, yep. social media again, let, mm-hmm. let us know. And I'm, I'm going to talk about it. And, and, and you tell me what you think, Joe. Okay. Yeah. So the end of the match, the match is over. Everything is done. And we've got Alexa Bliss. No, 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 no. The match wasn't over. The match was ending. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got Alexa Bliss in the ring. We've got Mickey James in the ring. There was a chair on the ground. Mm-hmm. There was a chair being used. Yeah. Okay. So now, how big of a pop would it have been if you had Mickey James and Alexa Bliss both holding a chair as Nia Jax starts to get up and we have a concerto? That would have been cool. Yeah. From the two of them, and that's how she won. I think that that would have gotten over so well with the fans yep. that it would have made anything else that really happened. And I think, honestly, had that concerto happened, that would have been a great way for them to kind of take all of the interference that you yep. were not a big fan of yep. and kind of shift the focus to holy crap they just did a concerto we haven't seen that in years mm-hmm. how awesome is that and then you forget about the rest that happened right yeah and you focus more on the good yeah because i understand that you know ronnie need to get her here get in there and do her stuff too and uh the weird kind of thing going on with that too is her husband travis brown was actually ringside as well yeah and he's just kind of just Standing there and going whatever. Yep. You know? he, he did. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, there was no emotion. So, blank. Uh, so that was that was a little disjointed and kind of weird feeling. I mean, you had a guy that I mean, I don't know if WWE still curling with him, but he actually tried out as well. You know, you had a chance to use uh, somebody who's a known person in the WWE in the sorry in the MMA world, and uh, possibly made use of him as well. But eh, they didn't go there. Nope, not so. at all. It is what it is, and um, we'll, we'll see with uh, her against R- Ronda. It could be good. Uh, Ronda still has, in my personal opinion, I know a lot of people there are going to disagree with me. She still has a long way to go um, to kind of really match up with some of these really experienced uh, women that are in the division yes. right now. Now, next up, we had the WWE title match with AJ Styles versus Rusev. Yeah, Rusev Day. And I got to say that they did a really good job with just. Um, Rusev's kind of mannerisms before the match, it, it, it just it, it made it feel like kind of like the, the big kind of fight feel when they were kind of doing the introductions. And, and, and that yeah. kind of set the tone there. And, and they had a really, really good uh, back and forth match with each other. Excellent job by both guys. But in the bigger picture, I really think that WWE missed the opportunity here to kind of go with good classic heel versus face booking. You had a chance to put the title on a heel, have him a little bit of a run, and then have your your face your face or your baby face in AJ's uh, case get the title back at a big show, whether it be a SummerSlam or whether it be a Survivor Series, which maybe would have been more likely. So I think they had a, a missed opportunity there to kind of do it the good old traditional way. Yeah, I mean, they definitely could have. I mean, th- this entire match for me, all, all I wrote down was good match, mm-hmm. but there was no real wow moment no. to this match at all. It just seemed like the two of them had a good match. Like it, oh, it honestly was, it was really good. Uh, you know, some good, good spots. Uh, you know, AJ, 
I think maybe the biggest wow moment that I can remember from this is AJ doing the phenomenal forearm over the top rope uh, down to the floor. Like that was, that was cool to see, but it's been done before. So it really wasn't that big of a wow moment. Um, especially with it being a title match. But I mean, I would have just, you know, throw Rusev a freaking bone. I mean, the the guys, you know, he's over with the crowd as a heel. I mean, which is, you know, kind of a weird an issue in itself because that that shouldn't be the way that it is. But just the the way that other things are going on WWE, he gets over so much. Yeah. But um, throw the guy a freaking bone and put the title on for at least a month, at least, and let him have a good run and really get the fans into it. Oh yeah, you know, like, I, I, he deserves more. Yeah, more than a month. I yeah. mean, he really does. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that they they booked that a little bit backwards, but then again, you know, we're not WWE writers. Maybe we should be, but um, you know, I mean, that that's just um, Al Snow booking one hundred and one there. Yeah, that's the best way I can put that. Uh, you know, you you have that, uh, that that change of hands to really get that uh, that impact. Exactly. But uh, they they didn't go that way. Now to end the night off, we had the inter- we had an intercontinental title match headlining or main eventing a pay per view. What? Yeah, which I mean, I don't remember the last time this has happened. I don't either. I would actually have to go back and look in the history books to to figure that one out because I can't think of the last time they main evented with the IC title match. And what was e- what's even nicer is that they made it a shortened Iron Man match. Mm-hmm. They had the IC title. And it was a 30-minute Iron Man match, which gave at least 30 minutes to be able to showcase the talent within the IC division. So now before we, we kind of go to break down the match, cause there's actually a lot that happened with this. Yeah. Do you think that they, that the way that they kind of did this, that it would have fit for an hour match better? Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yes. Cause I mean, they, they crammed a lot in, which to me kind of made the experience a little bit weird, just in, in my personal opinion. You're right, it did. And because of the 30-minute time limit that there that was there, everything just really seemed to be rushed. And, and not necessarily like like the match itself, like mm-hmm. the, the, the talent that was in there, but I'm talking about the stuff that actually happened and how things transpired and how things went and, and you know, the storyline between, you know, for all of it, it just seemed all just very rushed within that 30 minutes. Well, we, we had four falls in 10 and then just under 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, uh, I can't remember the last time that's happened. Right. So they, they crammed a lot just into that first quarter of that match or, you know, a little less than a quarter or more than a quarter, I guess it would be, you know, it just, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it did feel a little rushed. I would definitely agree with you. And it, it, to me, just traditionally an Iron Man match is an hour. Yes. Because half of our matches, like this happen on Raw. Yeah, they and they're do. Not, they're not Iron Man matches. So, yeah, you had, um, you know, I'm a little torn about McIntyre being so involved in this match too. I'm, I'm a little, you know, it's it feels like he should be the one in there, you know, really making the impact and being the, the, the guy, yep. but he's like, he's, you know, Dolph's lackey. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, that's exactly the words that I was thinking. It's weird because like, I don't want to downplay Dolph Ziggler because the man's like probably one of the best workers in the company right now. You know, his mic skills are amazing. Yeah. You know, he puts on great matches with guys like Seth Rollins. Yeah. But then you have McIntyre who is arguably, you know, the same, but just in a much bigger package physically. Yes. And he's relegated to having to interfere and interject into this match. 
I know it's it's very weird, but that's the way that it's been since he really came back. I mean, it's yeah. just he's been the lackey for Dolph Ziggler, and I, I I don't know if it's because of injury or anything like that right now. But mm-hmm. I, I'm really hoping that at some point we might see, you know, a Dolph Ziggler. Um, Drew McIntyre feud come mm-hmm. out of this because one turns on the other or something like that. So yeah. Now, thing that I think I need to um, to mention, and I'm sure that you picked up on this as well. And for me, it, it took me out of the matchup a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if if you thought this was a good thing, but I felt it was a negative. And this was the crowd counting it down when it would come up to every minute mark when there would be the last ten seconds. They would count down ten to nothing and it'd go. Eh. Like uh, pretending to be the the arena buzzer, for me that that felt like the crowd was distracted and not necessarily into the match enough. Definitely, that's exactly what it was. It, it seems as though the crowd just didn't care about the match happening and didn't care about the actual, you know, work that was being done in the ring, and they were just entertaining themselves. To me, it borderlines in disrespect. To me, because like you don't see this kind of stuff in Ring of Honor, you don't see this kind of stuff in New Japan, no. or in, or even in Impact, you know, and just uh, you know, and arguably one of the best matches of the night, you know, you you have the crowd shenanigans, yeah, you know, at least it wasn't like beach ball bad, but yeah, you know, for me, it took me out of the experience a little bit, you know, you know, to try and block that out and just focus on the match kind of happening because it was really really good. The match itself was it was good, ending a little kind of. Uh, Leaving a bit to be desired, but, uh, yeah. you know, especially after all that they went through in that match, you know, you know, now that I think of it, an hour might have been maybe a little, little exhausting <laughs> with this particular thing. I I don't you think know, it... I, it would have been spread out. Well... I don't know. If, if the crowd were to have continued that for, a, oh. for an hour, then <laughs> yes, that would have been way too much. Yeah. But the two of them to work together for an hour, I think would have been, would have been great because they mm-hmm. could have slowed things down a little bit and not, uh, you know, exhausted so much energy out of themselves. Um, I, I would be really interested, like to, I wish that we could interview like Rollins or Ziggler and ask them their opinion on this. Cause I'm sure that that's something that they probably heard now mm-hmm. i understand you know again i i've i've been in there i've been in the ring and i've, I've done shows and you sometimes don't hear the crowd because you're focused on the match and you're focused on um yeah. you know the energy that you're needing to to do and your adrenaline is is going and stuff like that so sometimes the crowd noise is kind of just blocked out and you're there rolling with the punches so to speak um but i i'd be interested to know if either one of them heard and if you know what their thoughts on it are i would like to see them go again you know and then this time i want to see an hour yeah because you know and whether it's a title match or not i really don't care just you have two guys who just style wise um correct me if i'm wrong in this but uh, both of these guys you know they you know most wrestlers kind of you know they do kind of single kind of moves and kind of go through their moves and kind of do this kind of stuff seth and ziggler i mean they do a lot of like back-to-back kind of moving like quick sequence yeah you know so a lot of this stuff multiple moves can chain. chain together yeah, chain wrestling yeah. and uh it's impressive to watch when it's done correctly you know oh, yeah. both of these guys are extremely good at it 
you know so it just it, it creates some excitement in there that you just don't seriously get to see when you see some of these moves kind of combined together like when he does this um superplex and then right away it lifts back up into the falcon arrow yeah that's an impressive move to be able to do that right after taking that bomb it is you know 100 percent. it is so please give us more of these guys in some other kind of scenario so I, I just want to break down the 30-minute uh, Iron Man match for everybody because I actually went through and I, I wrote down times. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm just going to quickly read through this. Yep. So it's counting down from 30, okay, people? So at 25.20 on the clock, Rollins gets a pin. So it's one nothing Rollins. Yep. At 24 minutes, the crowd starts counting down, rumble style, yep. doing, you know, the irk that Big Joe talked about <clears throat> there. Okay. At twenty two oh three, Rollins gets another pin. Yep. So now it's up two nothing Rollins. At twenty one oh one, Rollins is uh, now up three nothing because of interference from Drew McIntyre. Yep. At that time, Drew McIntyre gets kicked out and sent to the back. Uh nineteen thirty five, Ziggler finally gets a pin after being or after the beatdown that happened yep. for, uh, by Drew McIntyre. So now we're three one. At 1851, Ziggler gets another pin. So now we're at three to two. We're looking Seth Rollins three, Dolph Ziggler two. One minute later at 1751, Ziggler gets another pin. So now we're looking, it's all tied up three to three. 1553, Dolph Ziggler gets another pin by using his feet up on the ropes and the referee did not see it. So now we've got Ziggler four, Seth Rollins three. And then a huge span in between. So we're going from 1553 was the last pin to three minutes and eight seconds left on the clock. Seth Rollins gets a pin, and now we're at four to four. Come to the last closing few minutes of the match, or a few seconds of the match, Mm -hmm. and we see Seth Rollins crawling over to get on top of Dolph Ziggler for another pin, and the time runs out. So then they say... Time ran out. It's a draw, which means Ziggler gets to keep his title. He's going back up the ramp, celebrating. And then we have Kurt Angle come out and say, no, 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 no. This isn't going to happen this way. You know, the people of my hometown, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, cheap pop. Yep. I don't want to see something like this. So they go into a sudden death overtime. Yeah. Now, the sudden death overtime now sees Drew McIntyre back out there causing more interference. Never laid a finger on anybody, but was just up on the uh, on the apron, looking as though he's going to get into the ring, causing a little bit of interference to distract Seth Rollins. Dolph Ziggler comes in behind, hits the zigzag for the win. We've got Dolph Ziggler winning in sudden death overtime, 5-4. to four. Yeah. Yeah, just like lots. That's a lot to happen in half an hour. That's <laughs> yeah, a lot. it is. <laughs> right. So that's why I was writing it down. I'm like, I have yeah. to write down like every 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 time that ha- that things happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like I said, a lot happening there. I would just, I would like to see something. Obviously, not play out the same way. I would prefer to see that maybe, you know, stretch out a little bit more time. Would have uh, felt not as not as rushed. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it was still a great match. You know, endings, you know, can be debated from now until next week. But uh, you know, give us, you know, I definitely want to see some kind of rematch or some other different, you know, whether it be some other kind of gimmick match or or, or just you know, just a, or even just a regular match with these guys more often. Would be good. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good way to kind of wrap up. I mean, we had, uh, you know, 
the news of the week with Hulk Hogan coming back into the WWE, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, didn't expect that, you know, until I uh, saw so you had posted on the JNK podcast Facebook page. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, Extreme Rules, uh, a real, again, real mixed bag of some some cool stuff, some mildly entertaining stuff, and then some stuff not so much. That's right. <laughs> so typical WWE pay-per-view yep. at this point. Really Definitely really is. So we, we have to apologize. You know, this pay-per-view really took up a lot of our time today. And uh, I mean, normally we try to throw in a little bit, you know, some Ring of Honor, some All In, some Chris Jericho Cruise, <laughs> some Impact, some New Japan and stuff like that into our podcasts. But yeah. there was just a, really a lot that happened at this pay-per-view that, that we needed to really talk about and get out. And especially stuff that, that irked us and stuff that, you know, we thought would have been better had we changed it. So mm-hmm. we appreciate all of you guys listening, and and especially because it was only a WWE <laughs> podcast today. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sticking around. You know, and and send us your feedback. You're great. I mean, we're on social media. We're on three platforms of social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we are on Twitter. And all three of them, you can find us at JK Podcasts. Make sure you have the S on the end there because someone else had taken JK Podcast. So make sure Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we're there at JK Podcasts. Go and like all of those and drop us a line. Awesome. I didn't even have to enter you into that one this week. That was cool. You went that very smoothly. Yep. Well done, sir. Well done. Now, of course, uh, to listen to the podcast, you can, of course, find us on Podbean at jnkpodcast.podbean.com. You can now find us on that dedicated podcast app that uh, Google has, which is actually really cool, very simple. I use it myself, and it works really, really well without any real hitches. And, of course, you can still find us on that Google Play Music and iTunes as well. And all those other podcatchers were available on that, too. And, of course, at thegorillaposition.com through the Roar Network, you can find us on there as well. That's right, guys. All right. I think that's a good way to end off the episode, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Ciao. This is Hotshot Danny Duggan, leader of Team Jacked and Fanny Packed, and you're listening to the J&K Podcast. This is the Top Gun Chase Brit, and you're listening to the J&K Podcast.